are listening to a Music Secrets Exposed podcast documentary series in association with Waterfall Music and the Paul Lloyd Warner Foundation. Aloha, and welcome to bonus episode number one, as Paul Lloyd Warner shares about three Hawaiian ladies that inspired him on his spiritual journey. First, Auntie Margaret Machado, who taught him Lomi Lomi, the art of Hawaiian massage. Then, Morna Simeona, who taught him about the ancient art of forgiveness, Ho'oponopono. And he shares about his great metaphysical teacher, Nanaviri, who led him on a path for change we must. For as when you are ready, the teacher arrives. And if you are on a path of self-discovery, your mentors show up. So stay tuned and aloha. Today, Waterfall Music and Music Secrets Exposed have collaborated to provide a bonus episode to this documentary series documenting the life and work of composer Paul Lloyd Warner. And in this episode, or this segment, Paul wants to share more about what influenced him as a composer and how he got to understand the world at a deeper level. So, Paul, what do you want to explore on today's segment? Well, thank you, Sylvia. I, um, as we know, we've been talking about Hanaviri all throughout the entire series, uh, appropriately so, because she was such an important part of my life. And I, I do want to speak more about her, tell some personal stories that are amusing about her, uh, but also there are two other Hawaiian women who uh, have a great influence upon my life, spiritually speaking. I get the impression that Hawaiian ladies or women culturally have a very strong part to play in Hawaiian society, maybe more than we understand in Western society. Would that be right? I'm not an, ex I'm not an expert on the sociology of Hawaii, mm -hmm. uh, but yes, it's, it is a matriarchal society to a great degree, a great degree. Uh, but the men have a strong say-so and power uh, in the family. Uh, so it's maybe it's equal sharing. I can't say for sure. The Hawaiian women are strong. They're powerful. I'm not speaking about all Hawaiian women. I'm speaking about the ones I've gotten to know. 
And the two others I'm speaking about, besides Hanagiri, uh, are spiritual ladies who taught great things, and I studied with them simultaneously to study with Nana, or after I had studied with her. And the first one I'd like to talk about, if I may, is uh, a great, great, great woman named Auntie Margaret Machado. Margaret uh, was pure Hawaiian. Uh, she, um, uh, I think, grew up on the Big Island. And that was her place, the Big Island. Uh, she married a man who was Portuguese. That's how she got the name of Machado. And by the way, there was a large Portuguese influx uh, into the Hawaiian population in the 1800s, uh, mostly coming from New York and places like that. Uh, and uh, I think they were Las Palmas, New York. Um, they came from, um, there was an island in the Atlantic Ocean, which is Portuguese, and, and they emigrated to Hawaii because there was so many, so much opportunity there. In any case, Annie Margaret Machado did her research and studied and, and came back with an ancient Hawaiian healing technique, massage technique, that had been forgotten, that was no longer in use. Uh, and by going into, I guess, the, I don't know exactly how she did it, but she brought back what is called Lomi Lomi, Lomi Lomi Massage, L-O-M-I, L-O-M-I. Lomi Lomi Massage is a form of massage where a person's on a massage table, uh, at least in the modern sense. And when, when, when the massage therapist pushes against the muscle, uh, they pull right back because the blood has to flow. So the theory was you can't hold down an area like in Western massage, not all Western massage, but some, where you just hold the area down and you just massage deeply in there. She says, no, you have to release. You have to release to let the blood flow. If the blood doesn't flow, then it gets caught up in there and you're not healing the person, you're hurting them. So therefore you must keep on moving forward and back, forward and back, forward and back. And so she had a, um, a class that she taught a few times a year, uh, uh, right outside of, uh, uh, of Kailua Kona on the Big Island. That's a town, a small city facing towards uh, uh, Maui and facing uh, towards uh, Honolulu. Although you can't see Honolulu from there, you can see Maui. But she also had down below, there were uh, cliffs going down and that went to some very dry land. And there she had a house, a small home there where she did her teaching. And you go there and you spend a week with her. It costs money, it costs a lot of money. 
five, six, seven hundred dollars, maybe a thousand dollars for a week to go study with her. Maybe she'd have 10 or 12 students. We'd all live there, stay there. She'd prepare the food for everybody. Uh, and you get up five o'clock in the morning and you have massage classes, you have classes, all kinds of things. And you learn the art of lomi lomi massage in, in that week or 10 days, whatever time period it was. Well, I went to one of those and, and they're grueling. They're hard to get up at five o'clock in the morning. I mean, even if it's Hawaii and there's an ocean outside, there's no beach. You can't easily walk to a beach. So uh, it was um, a... Uh, a difficult experience, but you learn lomi lomi. And, and the most amusing thing about Margaret was that when you looked at her from behind and you saw her backside, her tush, so to speak, is that when she was massaging back and forth, back and forth, not the mud flow, not the mud flow, her, she was doing a dance. And you could look at her from the backside and she was an elderly woman, a little overweight, chubby, but... Uh, her backside just wobbled. We'd laugh our heads off and she, she caught us laughing and she laughed with us. And she was so much fun. She had such a joy about her. Nothing could get her upset. It seems though the, you know, she, the native Hawaiian culture is one of joy and happiness in many forms. You know, when you think about those you have met and those you've spoken about, To a great degree, yes, but I mean, Hawaii is filled with every emotion known to man as well. Of course. It's not immune to it. But when you're living in a paradisical place, <laughs> or paradisical place, uh, that um, life is good. I mean, you know, you can just run out and go to the ocean, come back, dry off, wash off, go to work, back to work. Uh, and at night, you had the trade winds, and this, the soft winds would just blow at night and keep everything cool. You didn't need air conditioning. It was wonderful. It wasn't an oppressive heat uh, like you have in the deep tropics. Uh, it was just below the tropic zone. So therefore, it was tropical, but still, it, it had a coolness about it. Even though you could have certain areas that were hot, very warm, where, uh, for example, where Nana lived, she lived in Aina Haina, which is a, a, a section of, of um, Honolulu, uh, more on the sunny side of Honolulu. Uh, and there, uh, it was um, a very beautiful place, uh, but it was hot. It got quite hot there. So, you know, it just depends. Kahala was hot, but the east side was cool. So, go figure. Uh, so that also helped determine the uh, mood and emotion people had. Hawaiian men could get very angry, and they were quite territorial, you know. And and, and there's these big guys, and boy, you don't want to encounter them. They could really knock you down. Yeah, it's just it's so, just yeah, an island were... culture. I mean, island cultures generally have very interesting forms of living and ways of expression. Yet there were such beautiful, beautiful people, just people, men and women in Hawaii. And it, it, it is also a melting pot. It's a melting pot of uh, not only uh, uh, 
the Europeans who came, you know, who the pilgrims came and so forth, the, the American white man came, uh, mixed with the Polynesian culture, brought all kinds of disease to them. It was a terrible thing, uh, practically destroying the Hawaiian population way back in the 1600s. And then they, they foisted their version of Christianity upon the Hawaiian people. Uh, and uh, Hawaiian people today are largely Christian, but nevertheless, they have, many people have with themselves the, the old uh, Hawaiian Polynesian culture that's just resident in them. So it's a very interesting combination. And you have a lot of Japanese who came in in the 19th century, Chinese who came in, uh, Portuguese came in earlier. Uh, so there's a, a big, big mix. South, South Sea Islanders, people from Tonga, uh, people who are, are much more darker skinned who came in off of the coast of Africa, those islands there. So Hawaii is a true more, it's, it's probably the most racially integrated place on earth because it's the only place I know of that when you see people, you meet people, you go to parties, you never ever look at them for their race first. You look at them for their personality and for what you communicate. It, it isn't like, a, I, I, okay, I'm now before a Japanese Hawaiian. You never think that. It's just not possible. I suppose uh, it's, you get th to, they look at the person and that's it. They just look at the person in front of them. They always do. Yeah. They always judge your character, like anywhere in the world. Uh, and if they like you, boy, they'll just serve you so much beer you can't stop drinking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, that could lead to interesting things. So you met this massage, this, um, remind me the name again. Yes. Margaret Machado. And she did a particular kind of massage called? No me, no me. No me massage. So that's one lady. So these, this other lady, I think you you want to speak about. Yes. Um, well, I'll go back to Margaret. Um, she became a very. Before I go on to the other lady, Morna Simeona, uh, I will talk more about uh, a few minutes more about Margaret Machado because she was a barrel of fun at all times. Is full of laughter, dance, humor, uh, and uh, sardonic satire. She could really, she could really hold her own. She was very intelligent, very loved by the people. People just loved her. She had so many people who came to her. Hawaiian people, other people who needed healing. Oh, I'm hurting over here. I'm hurting over. She knew exactly what to do. She'd get them on the table, and she would deal with what they had to do. And they walked out feeling much better. She was a true healer. Yeah. In, in every sense of the word. I think there's people and so, there's people out there that have that special gift and it's just something innate in them. It's you can't replicate that kind of gift. You know, each of us, many of us have our gifts and, and the healers, thank God for them because they're the ones who natural healers, and they, even the doctors, you know, they keep the world healthy, relatively speaking. Um, and so anyway, I want to honor these women because you don't hear about them. And 
right now, I think my job here is also to, to bring these women to light and to, uh, and to showcase them in this bonus uh, episode that we're having so that people can understand that there are, there are Hawaiian women who have molded me and helped shape me into the spiritual person that I am today. It did not all come from Nana. Uh, although Nana, the metaphysics came from Nana. But the, uh, let's, let's, go to, let's go to the next lady now. Morna Simeona. M-O-R-N-N-N-O. Okay. I never learned how to spell her name. M-O-U-R-N-N-A-H, something like that. Morna. Morna Simeona, S-I-M-E-O-N-A. Uh, she also married a Portuguese, uh, but she was pure Hawaiian herself. And she brought two things back. She had a, a right in downtown Honolulu, she rented office space and she put a thing called the foundation of I, like I am, I, the foundation of I. Uh, and it was there that she brought back from the dead, Ho'oponopono, the Hawaiian form of forgiveness. Oh, okay. Now it's a very different way of forgiving, but it still is forgiveness. Mm -hmm. uh, in the traditional Hawaiian sense, if, if let's say somebody takes something from you uh, and uh, that is against the law, steal from someone, and they take something from you very valuable and meaningful, from you and it doesn't seem to come back to you then you're going to engage in ho'oponopono okay ho'oponopono means that you that even though the person is not there uh you could go by a beach you can go into the hills in a quiet place uh and uh there they would um sit down or stand up and the first thing that person would do is they would go to the, the mother of that particular person in their mind. And if they knew the mother's name, they would say so-and-so's name. They usually knew the mother of the name. And they say, mother of so-and-so, I forgive you for anything and everything that you did in bringing up your son or daughter to become the person they became. I forgive you for, for whatever transgressions on your part in their upbringing, whatever it might have been. I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. <sighs> I'm sort of, it's, it's not quite like that, but it's sort of, you deep, deep breathe, you forgive, you forgive, you forgive. And you do the deep breathing with the forgiveness. Uh, and then you go to the father of that person and you do the same. That's amazing. And then if the situation is more serious, uh, someone uh, does something terrible to you, then you have to go to the grandparents on both sides, maternal and paternal grandparents, and forgive them for any, anything, everything they did in the way they raised their child to the mother who, that, you know, and keep on going down the line. Uh, in cases of very serious cases like murder, mm -hmm. 
Then the tribe, or that's the tribe, but the, the group gets together, the whole town gets together, and they engage in it for like a, a long period of time, sometimes up to a week. And they go back all through the generations. That's amazing. And that's how that's how they they, they do it's not like where we can say easily in our culture, well, I forgive you. forgive you. Do you forgive me for not taking out the movies tonight? Yes, mom, I do forgive you. Of course. That we can do. You don't need Ho'oponopono for that. But Ho'oponopono has proved to be very valuable and people all over the world are practicing it today. I There's this discussion about um, generational baggage I've heard that phrase and looked into what it means and you know it's about the effect of previous generations conditioning following generations and then it comes to a certain result and I've heard native peoples of all native peoples hold that knowledge and you can look at Hawaii you can look at the Native Americans you can look at Polynesian islands or even you know Africa the native peoples of Africa and there's this understanding of it's not just the person that made the mistake, we'll say it that way, made the mistake, but it, it comes from a bigger reason. That's that's mm -hmm. very interesting. Not all of them have Ho'oponopono. I'm not an expert in, in all the various Polynesian cultures and this Melanesian and Micronesian cultures. Uh, you know, that's deeper in the South Pacific. Um, but the Polynesians extend all the way to Tahiti. The Tahitians are Polynesians. And when you're there, I've never been to Tahiti, but their songs, even though they're in the Tahitian language, you know, they're similar. You can, you can feel the Polynesian in them. But not, I don't want to get off the point. I'd like to get back to Morna. Morna also taught a second subject, which is more controversial okay. and not so universally accepted mm -hmm. as Ho'oponopono is. And it is said that, um, you know, while on the Atlantic side there was an Atlantis with a submerged continent. Yes, I'm know, aware. Mm -hmm. yeah, everyone knows about Atlantis. But fewer people know of Lemuria. Yes, Lemuria. And Lemuria yep. is the is the, uh, uh, 
the subcontinent below the Pacific, underneath the Pacific. Now it is said that the Hawaiian Islands are the tip top of what's left of Memoria. But Memoria was, was the Hawaiian Islands submerged. But Morna Simeona brought that out and she had large discussions and she had done books about it and pamphlets about it, I should say. So I got to study that too. That was a little bit more esoteric, in fact, very much more esoteric because none of it is provable. Mm -hmm. uh, but she nevertheless brought back the, uh, um, this wonderful idea that there was a civilization that so was she the, the was she the first person that spoke about Lemuria because I've heard people would say in my generation talk about it now but did it stem from yes. her discovery yes okay yes that's interesting yes yeah you'll find it in some ancient books and things but Morn is the one who brought it back okay back out into the public consciousness uh, and so, uh, in fact, one of my albums is named Memoria, and we haven't talked about that in our series. We'll have to another album to to discover. Oh, Memoria is something else. Uh, that's a separate. I'll, I'll, I'll wait to talk about that. But I want to talk more about, if I may, if we have the time right now, to speak of um, more of these three ladies. Okay. Pamaviri. Uh, my great spiritual teacher of metaphysics and Auntie Margaret Machado, the, the teacher of Lomi Lomi Massage. And of course, Mona Simeona, who is the woman who brought back Ho'oponopono. And Ho'oponopono was spelled like this, H-O with an apostrophe. That apostrophe is to hold the breath, Ho-O. They'll say Ho-O, yeah. Ho-O, H apostrophe O, uh, ho, o and then uh, apostrophe P-O-N-O, -O, apostrophe P-O-N-O. -O. Ho, 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 no, ho, no. So this way you break it, you break that rhythm. It's like today there's traditionalists are speaking about Hawaii as Hawaii, Hawaii. Yes. You know, with the apostrophe between mm. the two eyes. Mm. And they say it with a V, Hawaii. Okay. You know, so it's just a nice way of going back to the original. Uh, when we say Hawaii, you know, Hawaii is Hawaii. You know, yeah, you know, I, I the, hear that uh, more often now that it's more that pronunciation. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, um, well, anyway, uh, I had studied with Hanaviri first, and then it overlapped to Margaret Machado. Because there was no similarity at all, really, other than this woman's healing. Uh, others healings of prayer, uh, but when there's uh, uh, studying metaphysics, is learning to heal through prayer. That's what a practitioner is. One who is a practitioner of metaphysics means that that you that you pray at you pray on that person, you have prayers for that person uh, and allow God to do the healing. There is nothing you have to ask for.
So I had, uh, I was living back in Maui, up in Kula, up in the mountains. And I had the opportunity of putting together uh, a weekend seminar where I could bring Nana and Auntie Margaret and Mona Simeone and together. They, the in other words, they did not know each other at all. This is like... They heard, they heard of each other. Okay, but they'd never I mean, met. They'll hear it. They'd never met in they'd person. Never met. Okay. No. So I figured, well, let them each speak and then they'll speak together and we'll have an incredible event. I'll invite everybody and I filled it up. Well, all these people interested in meeting these women. Uh, and so I organized the whole thing and I paid for it all. Uh, and in fact, even prepared the food for it. And I was a very good chef in those days and I made excellent soups and things. Okay, so um, comes time for the whole event. And uh, before that happens, before that event happens, event is, I forget, like a Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I forget the days, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. So Nana came over that weekend to spend the weekend with me and that we would go to church together. Okay. Now, there, there was, at that time, there was no religious science church on Maui, but there was a unity church. And there's a young woman who was the minister. She was a wonderful lady. I, I really enjoyed her, her ministerial talks. She was very open-minded, very modern. Uh, and I, I liked her a lot. and became kind of friendly with her. So I invited Nana to come over. Uh, this is before the event uh, to come and hear her that Sunday to come to church. Well, I guess it was summertime. It was kind of warm, uh, and there, then the, she, the minister, begins to speak. Uh, and as she's speaking, there are all these flies around her. So while she's speaking at the pulpit, she. She, she takes a fly swatter out, just picks up a fly swatter, it's right there at the pulpit, and starts sweeping, swiping at the flies. Right there, trying to kill the fly, right there. <laughs> this is something nobody ever saw before in their lives, you know what I mean? This is like a first, you know. Who, who, who does who that? A fly <laughs> yeah, who does that? She was doing it. Okay. And so I was looking over to Nara, and Nara's going, Tiss, 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 like a, like, <laughs> oh God, it was hilarious, but we had to keep, you know, we had to be quiet, not laugh, because it would have hurt her feeling, the minister's feelings too much. So we um, just endured the fly swatting and the fly swatting, and she never got the fly, and the flies kept on bothering her. And it was pretty much not a very interesting uh, sermon she gave. Afterwards, we went to lunch with Nana and uh, myself, and a couple other friends. And uh, I didn't dare ask Nana how she liked the service because I knew I could see how she didn't like it. And then Nana then made this comment that was very poignant. And she said, uh, um, what we learn in metaphysics is to respect all life and not to kill. Okay. And to actually witness someone killing from the pulp or attempting to kill from the pulp. Was pulpit. offending. 
or offensive, deeply, I should say, yeah. offensive. Yeah, yeah. And so we all talked about that. And of course, we had to agree with Nama, you know. I mean, of course, Nama ate meat. <laughs> we won't talk about that. <laughs> double, I mean, a double standard. That was good for her, yeah. So, you know, it was a double standard. But however, I was vegetarian and I wouldn't dare say a word to Nama about that. She paddled for whatever she wanted to eat. Uh, and uh, so uh, that was a lot of fun in a way. But then we had the uh, retreat, this uh, three day seminar retreat, whatever it was. And each one of the ladies spoke about the work. And when it came time for them to really meet and talk and all that, they were all reserved. Amazing. I think I think that that Andy Margaret was open more, but that Morna and that Hamadiri were not. And do you think that when it comes into this whole conversation that people can be protective of what they believe to be the right way, whatever that way is, whether it's a skill of healing or a skill of spirituality or. It's a very good point, but these were very wise women who understood that there was pluralistic view of the universe, that their way is not the only way. Mm. I think it was more a Hawaiian personality. See, in Hawaii, it's who you know who you connect with, who you know, you know, and if if you're connected to the family roots and this and that, and you have no connection to somebody else far away, then you don't think about them. They're not important to you. Yeah. It's only those who are connected mm. to you. I understand. Yeah. So when I was in um, uh, 2013, I think it was that year, I went to Kauai for a retreat um, and it was there that there was a couple of young kahunas they were young men 18 19 20 years old uh, and at the first dinner we were having that night before the retreat began um, I was talking with the elder of the kahunas he was maybe 21 and that he mentioned Hamavirri I said, do you know how to go? Oh, yeah, I used to go study with her. She, my, mother, my mother's friend, uh, and we started talking. I was telling him about Hanukkah. And so the, he and I, even though I'm a Caucasian, he's Hawaiian, <laughs> we were connected. You see, we were so connected that he said at the end of the retreat, he would take me uh, out and show me all around Kauai for a day because my flight was not till midnight. And then she got out at 10 in the morning. So I had the whole day to go and enjoy the day with him, which I did. Uh, and because of that connection to Hanaviri that he had, that I had. So that's the way the Hawaiian people work. And if, there, if, there's, if there's no, if, if, the, if it just gets cold and there's no, no connection to that person, there's not much of a relationship, uh, if you like. Them. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no basis for any further communications. I hope that they would get to know, know each other, but yeah. <laughs> I failed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it wasn't me, it was just the culture. Yeah. It was so much fun. Mourner herself, she was really far out, if I could use that expression. Um, she was 
she was um, manifestly way out there into all kinds of, you know, unusual and stuff that is just not talked about too much these days. Yeah. Very erudite, erudite kind of philosophies and things like yeah. that. Interesting. Uh, Margaret Machado was just down home. You know, you can eat a meal with her and be happy and be laughing and dance and, you know, that sort of thing. To get Nana to dance was impossible. Yeah, she just a, <laughs> just a different personality. No, she was, she was austere. What a, what a wonderful lady, though. I mean, I could talk about her for hours, and I know I only have a few minutes to, to, to languish over Nanaviri, but her importance on my life is inestimable. There is just no way to imagine how she shaped my life to what it is today. And the music, I owe it to her. I really do. Uh, and I'm not overemphasizing it. I owe it to life, the living, to my friends' experiences. But Hanaviri changed my life by teaching me how the simplest, the simplest thing is that what you think you create into being. So if you don't like the outcome, you don't like what's happening, you change your thinking so that now you can have new outcomes that are more positive. It's as simple that you, you can control your life by, by how, how you think and, and the actions that you take as a result of that. Probably because of all the discussion that has taken place over the last, I suppose, number of decades, recent decades, it has become a complicated discussion because there's so many opinions. But I suppose the answer is to keep it simple. And if you just keep it simple and start with how you think, if you want to make change. Well, that's that's the basic truth, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah. I mean, you know, if we're not happy in our lives, we make a change in our lives to become happy. Yeah. We do something. Yeah. We help the person who's not helping us being happy, mm -hmm. help them. And if we can't do that, I think it's it's true for I've heard this been mentioned and it has been said by a number of different people that uh, when you're ready the teacher arrives and in a sense sometimes if you're on a path of I suppose discovery your mentors might turn up at the right time and that's how it happens they do they do
find out more about Waterfall Music and the Paul Lloyd Warner Foundation, go to waterfallgiving.com. Also, stay tuned for the next Paul Lloyd Warner podcast. Enjoy.